Now, for our second segment, uh, we're going to uh, talk with one of the most exciting candidates on the primary ballot today, in my estimation. That's uh, Anna Maria Archilla. She's running for lieutenant governor on the Working Families Party ticket. She's a longtime social movement leader with Make the Road New York and the Center for Popular Democracy, which she co-founded. Uh, she has vowed to make the lieutenant governor's office a hub for organizing and pushing the governor to take more pro-working class positions as needed. Uh, the lieutenant governor's race was turned upside down at the end of March when Governor Kathy Hochul's first choice, Brian Benjamin, was indicted on federal corruption charges and promptly resigned. Hochul's new pick for lieutenant governor is Antonio Delgado, a uh, congressman from the Hudson Valley. Joining us now to talk more about her uh, her race and and other matters is Anna Maria Archilla. Anna Maria, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me back on such an exciting day, Election Day. Election Day. And t- tell us where you are right now. I know you've been making the rounds uh, all over the city uh, since uh, almost the crack of dawn. Yes. So I am speaking to you from Bushwick, um, where I am joining um, Assembly candidate um, Sami Namir Olivares, who is both Working Families Party and DSA endorsed candidate. Uh, and someone I have known and worked with for many years. And I'm super excited about um, his race. I just came back from Sunnyside where I was um, spending time with Assembly. Also another insurgent, Juan Ardila, uh, Working Families Party-backed candidate. I was in Harlem earlier with Delcenia, uh, who is um, also um, an insurgent um, and Assembly member, Assembly candidate in West Harlem. And um, I was in Astoria, and then before then, I was in um, downtown Brooklyn. So I've made my rounds today, and New York City is beautiful. People are uh, voting. Uh, there is a sense of sort of joyous celebration in the places where there are insurgent races. Um, and I feel very, very hopeful about all of these um, insurgent assembly races uh, that are uh, really you know, challenging the old sleepy ways of the Democratic Party that always, always, always asks communities of color and working class communities to wait, Um, wait for better housing, wait for um, better schools, wait for real safety. And people are tired of waiting. So there's a lot of insurgent energy out there. And and what has it been like for you, uh, your first uh, political campaign? What's it like to be a candidate? Obviously, you've been very politically active for uh, 20 plus years uh, with your uh, social movement uh, leadership. But to to be the person out front as a candidate, give us a sense of uh, how that changes uh, uh, your life. Yeah, well, so I approach this campaign um, the as, as an expression of the movement. Uh, my intention when I decided to run for lieutenant governor, accepting the invitation of the Working Families Party and to join Jumani Williams, who was um, running for governor. Um, I, you know, my intention was to actually make visible the um, opposition, the way the many communities that are organizing all across New York state to demand respect in the workplace, to demand real action on climate change, to demand a real action on the housing affordability crisis. So, in many ways, the campaign has felt very familiar to me because from day one, we were joining people in the streets during the budget fight and we were joining 
uh, people in Albany during the legislative fight and um, talking to the New Yorkers who are always taken for granted by the Democratic Party, always just assumed to be in support, but really never courted and, and never respected with good policy. So I, I have... I have tried to bring my, you know, my experience as an organizer and as a movement person into this campaign. And I think, um, you know, we have, we are making our opposition run for their money. Antonio Delgado entered the race after Governor Huckel changed state legislation <laughs> to make sure that she could introduce a second lieutenant governor uh, pick um, for her. And um, and he came into the race with millions of dollars that people had donated to him to defend the swing district that he represented in Congress. And instead, he poured that money into this campaign, in addition to allowing his campaign to be propped up by a crypto billionaire. And so they've spent close to over five million dollars. And still, no one knows who's going to win this race because we have literally out-organized and out-hustle them in all the parts of New York um, where people are profoundly unhappy with um, a way of governing that always leaves working-class communities behind. Right. And, uh, I mean, thinking about uh, failure of government, can't help but think of the events uh, of last week on Friday when the Supreme Court uh, issued uh, its ruling overturning uh, Roe versus Wade and making it possible for roughly half the states in the United States to criminalize abortion. And um, in a minute here, we're going to uh, hear uh, several clips. Um, the first one will be uh, uh, an angry Brett Kavanaugh speaking at uh, his uh, Supreme Court confirmation hearing uh, in 2018. And then we'll hear Mitch McConnell's reaction uh, to the Roe ruling. And then we'll hear, hear from Alexandria ocasio uh, Cortez, and of course, Anna Maria, you, you fought very hard to try to, uh, stop the, the Kavanaugh, uh, confirmation. And we're, we're down in Washington, D.C. for that. Um, so we'll want to get your reaction to these thoughts, uh, after we, uh, hear from them. Fear with my friends. Almost everyone did. Sometimes I had too many beers. Sometimes others did. I liked beer. I still like beer. But I did not drink beer to the point of blacking out, and I never sexually assaulted anyone. The precedent is important, but sometimes the precedent is outdated or wrong. And this issue sent back to the democratic process for the will of the American people through their elected representatives to make the decisions. That final clip was uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaking outside the Supreme Court on Friday morning. Uh, uh, AOC uh, endorsed uh, Anna Maria Archila. Uh, Anna Maria, your reaction to all of that, to 
uh, Kavanaugh uh, providing a decisive uh, fifth vote on Friday and the kind of reactions you're hearing from across the political spectrum? Well, um, my initial reaction is that it's so painful to hear these clips of uh, Kavanaugh um, speaking during his confirmation process. It is unbelievable that someone like him was confirmed to the Supreme Court but the fact is that when I was in D.C. with thousands of people trying to prevent his confirmation, we understood very well that with Kavanaugh in the court, um, the it, we would see the end of Roe v. Wade. And we would also see, you know, the rollback of decades and decades of progress on women's rights and LGBTQ equality and workers' rights and more. And the Republican Party was just bent on having their guy in the court. And the Democrats were not able to hold the line. Joe Manchin voted for the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. He's the same guy that has again and again been the one, you know, most persistent obstacle to um, an agenda to make, uh, you know, to actually make people's lives better in this administration, this, you know, the Biden administration. So um, it is Democrats like him who have specialized in being obstacles to communities who desperately need government to deliver and um, other Democrats who also sort of uh, allow these kinds of politics to uh, to win the day. And um, obviously, once Kavanaugh was in the court, I understood, and I think many others, people who lead in the uh, repro, uh, reproductive justice movement, we understood that the end of Roe was a matter of time. And, uh, but it still feels unreal when you see it happening. I wake up now every day knowing that my two children have, um, are living, uh, in a moment when they have fewer rights than I have enjoyed my entire life. And that only makes me more determined to make sure that in our state, in New York state, we are doing everything we can to enshrine into our legal system protections for people who need abortion care, protections against discrimination, based on race, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, national origin, immigration, ability, because what we will see from the Supreme Court is more decisions that look like the rollback of Roe v. Wade. Um, and uh, we cannot have the politics of business as usual, the politics that just always tout to the fear-mongering. We cannot have those politics be dominant in the state of New York. This is, uh, we are in a moment of real existential crisis. As we speak, 26 states will put in place or have already put in place some, uh, efforts to ban or, or really limit access to abortion care. And, you know, in the Supreme Court decision announced on Friday, one of the opinions from Judge, uh, Thomas was, uh, included, you know, a very important warning, which is that they will come after contraception. They will come about after marriage equality and other uh, really important gains. So um, we should demand, we should use today's elections to send the message that we cannot have half measures in a moment that requires the boldest, most urgent, most visionary action to protect women, to protect um, people who need abortion care, care to protect queer people. And quite frankly, New York State cannot be a place where people can find sanctuary if in the state of New York, people cannot afford a place to live. New York State cannot be the state that it needs to be in this historical moment if people are being asked to do magic with money they don't have in their pockets. 
So we need to uh, make sure that we are putting in place a real plan to tackle the housing affordability crisis. Uh, we need to make sure that we are raising the minimum wage. We need to make sure that we are making our state government actually prioritize working families above the whims of billionaires. Right. And, and uh, before you have to go here in a couple of minutes, I uh, want to get your uh, thoughts uh, also from Friday's ruling in his concurring opinion. Uh, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas uh, made it very clear that he uh, he believed that uh, right to privacy did not exist uh, not only for the purposes of abortion, but also uh, for same-sex marriage, uh, for uh, consensual sexual relations, um, and, and just about anything, and, and contraception as well. Um, as a queer woman, uh, how do you see things going forward? And uh, are you hopeful that your uh, LGBT community will come out strong for you today? And I, I saw a quote from you uh, in a, in a, recent story where you said gay people do not fight for freedom to live in a lavender bubble, but in a more just society. If you want to just elaborate on that for a moment. Yeah. So that quote is from the amazing um, queer liberation leader, Urva Shivaid, who um, passed away recently. Um, She uh, was, uh, you know, at the, she always worked at the intersection of economic justice, racial justice, gender justice. um, And, she um, spoke about this idea, always speaking to um, queer folks, to people in the queer liberation movement, to remind us that um, our, our liberation is intertwined, that we cannot uh, just build bubbles for ourselves and let the rest of the world, you know, go up and smoke and fire. Like, that is not what we can do. So we have to make sure that we are actually agents of uh, transformation towards a more just society. And in these moments when it is very clear that the justices of the Supreme Court, the vast majority of the Supreme Court is actually representative of a very radical right-wing segment in our society that does not believe that women belong in the Constitution, that does not believe that the rights of queer people um, are constitutional rights, um, that as long as they are the majority in the Supreme Court, we will need to actually fortify the defenses at the state level. And in order to do that, we actually have to elect people who understand the historical moment we're living in. Um, and that's why today's elections matter. Today, people will have an opportunity to vote for Jumani Williams for governor. Jumani has been a fierce fighter for working class communities. We, we have 20 Earth. seconds. And, um, and people, I am asking people to come out and vote for Jumani Williams for governor and Maria Chila for lieutenant governor. Both of us express both the urgency and the demands of people who want our government to actually be bold and fierce in a moment of historical importance. Okay. We'll have to leave it there. Anna Maria Archila, uh, candidate for lieutenant governor, thank you so much for joining us again on WBAI Radio. Thank you so much.